recording live from the home of the Oregon Duck drafted highest since Joey Harrington. It's the Dion Jordan quick shot. Ooh. Hey yo, hit that news right off. That's a jo- Joey Harrington uh, reference for for those scoring at home. I'm at one on my Joey Harrington reference counter. For the Lions fan listening saying, who's Joey Harrington? Uh, he's oh. the guy on the cover for uh, NCAA football 2003. <laughs> That's what you may know him from. Who absolutely capped out at 77 QB rating. Hey, he's he's the he's the poster boy for my like. You can't throw fifty nine percent in college and then expect to be a good NFL quarterback. Thing. <laughs> yeah. Wordsmith, but man, yeah. they loved him in Oregon. Yeah, he was he was Joey Heisman. I remember the the stupid billboard they put up in down and uh, it was in New York City. They wanted him to be the Heisman Trophy winner. Hey, the Heisman is that. a college award, and so I, you know, Eric Crouch, he he went out and got his. Right. The end. Any, <laughs> anyway, uh, let's go ahead and get right into that Seahawks news. What do you guys say? Uh, yeah, we're, not, we're gonna talk Deion Jordan. All right, let's do Deion Jordan. Uh, Deion Jordan is the exact kind of player the Seahawks should sign. Uh, he is a potential, uh, character risk. Uh, he missed 15 games last season due to a suspension. For pot. Um, he is otherworldly physically talented. He ran a 4-5-40 at the uh, Combine. He has a 7-second 3-cone drill. He is six foot six inches. He will be Bruce Irvin in this defense if he can stay healthy. Yes, that's, and off-pot. That's the that's the uh, that's Deion Jordan. I think that he was kind of miscast as a pure rush defensive end in a 4-3, and that's not what we will make him do, and so he'll be really good for us. Uh, you've said basically every talking point I have. This is a guy who has every physical skill you want, and by standing him up and giving him space, then you're making it so he can use that just freak athletic talent in a way that the Dolphins just never really gave him the opportunity to. Yeah, a guy who can tackle, Another, a guy who can get the run, a guy who can get to the quarterback. The weird exciting. thing is he, he failed a physical designation for the Dolphins. I don't know what that is. I don't know what physical thing this guy can't do. Uh, Not beyond pot? Yeah, that's probably it. I'm guessing that... <laughs> He's going to ding again for drugs, and they're just moving on. If he plays 16 games for us at, you know, outside linebacker uh, this season, he will be very successful. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty excited about his potential. If he, if not, you know, if he gets busted or we try start trying to use him as like a, you know, rush end, yeah, he'll be garbage like he has been his entire career. But this is a low-risk signing. Yeah. And... Real- it's real good. It makes us not have to get a linebacker in the draft at all. I think linebackers, like, basically if Watt's there at 20, 27, 26, <laughs> 26, if Watt is there, I mean, I'll be like, okay, we could pick an outside linebacker. Otherwise, I'll be like, no, don't pick an outside linebacker. There's no point. Watt's going 12. I've got something to say on that later, but the other thing that's kind of fun is for the 2013 draft, we now have the second and third overall pick. Oh, yeah. We have Jokel. They're both. Yeah, we're we're at the uh, graveyard of busts from this draft. Uh, linebackers, like we we picked up a lot this off season. Now we've got uh, Arthur Brown, Deion Jordan, and uh, one other linebacker that I can't remember his name right now. But yeah, anyway, all right, let's talk the other big story. I'm I'm so out of it. A uh, Richard Richard Sherman <laughs> available for trade. Richard Sherman first and a fourth, right? probably coming back. Richard Sherman is his own agent. Who knows what's happening? Richard Sherman supposedly asked for the trade himself last season. Um, I don't know. This is a thing. We don't really like talking about this stuff because it's hyperbole to an extent. We've it talked about overblown, right, Eric? Yeah. And we've, we've, I mean, Nathan, you've said it before. Like, we're not going to trade Richard Sherman. And we'll, if you give up the moon, you know, per se for him, then yeah, we'll do it. But it really, outside of Nathan of us getting like, you know, one of those amazing corners, and Kevin, you've you've gone over many names, and I don't know if you want to spitball on like somewhere in the early teens or something. Like, I mean, we yeah, were... if you get Marlon uh, Marlon Humphrey in the early teens, or if I mean, if it's a top ten pick and we can get uh, Lattimore out of Ohio yeah. State, I mean, those are two elite physical talents. Sure, I just I feel like that is still a step back because Sherman in our system with the Legion. Sorry, that's a thing. Uh, I just don't see it happening, and I don't want it to happen. At least not I mean, this season. I mean, realistic trade partners is like, it's like 
the Packers. And I don't know. I don't. How much do you want pick twenty nine and maybe like a third rounder in next year's draft? You know, it's like that's not worth it. I don't know. It's no. it seems okay. Like yeah, at twenty nine maybe you'll be able to pick up someone. You know. Yeah, maybe then you get Conley and Tankersley or Melif. Melif- uh, Obi Mellon Fonwell. Yeah, that's like someone I know that our front office has been really into. Yeah, and like that's someone I could see us getting at the end of the first round in a trade with them. But that means we probably went cornerback, cornerback in the or cornerback. I mean, safety corner. Yeah, Obi Mellon Fonwell. Maybe long term he's a safety, but the first year for us he'd be playing mostly like nickel, nickel cornerback and backup safety. You'd have to imagine, yeah, mm-hmm. especially if it's a situation where we dealt Sherm. Yeah. Then we'd be in the in the market for two corners. An early report said uh, a plus player and a high draft pick. I don't I don't know you know exactly what they're asking for, but I don't know who would give that up. So for those of you wondering why we don't give a lot of time to this, this conversation <laughs> is why yep. we have just thrown you empty calories. If there's nothing really to say. Like there's good cornerbacks and defensive backs in this draft, and it, if they trade him, they're gonna pick one. Like I, I have it. slightly more relevant news. Go ahead. Uh, that Grayson kid that the Seahawks signed, they signed a track star out of LSU who was a fifth-year senior, and so he was able to immediately be eligible for free agency instead of the draft. Uh, he's a track kid. He's from LSU. Seahawks see something in him. Could be a potential guy. That's more interesting than the Sherman trade thing to me. What did he do in college? I mean, Ran yeah, a lot of track. The, on the football field? He ran though? lots of track. No. Uh, five-time All-American in track. But yeah, not... He's not a football player. Okay. I mean, I would argue with the way that the LSU passing game works, he didn't receive that many fewer targets than he uh, would have otherwise. But, yeah. Yeah, Cyril Grayson. Is his Cyril name. Grayson, uh, yeah. Cyril Grayson he's is athletic. fast. He'll be on the practice squad. There's no way he makes the team out of camp. Just Unless something crazy happens, yeah. yeah. Who so. tried to sign Usain Bolt like eight years ago? I don't same, know. Same thing. Let's say Jerry Jones. Okay. That seems like a Jerry Jones thing to do. I want Usain Bolt. We need I speed mean, on the outside. Is that bulk kid available? It starts. It's time to start buying like Nico Thorpe and DeAndre Elliott stock, like <laughs> right now, because these guys are probably going to be more important to the Seahawks defense than we initially anticipated. And I'm comfortable with that, actually. I think both of them have traits that are desirable. I think they're both capable players, and the defensive backs are the opposite of the offensive line for me where I fully trust this staff to be able to coach up defensive backs and to get in to maximize what they do. Well, and I like how every year we have people, you know, stepping up in the defense that were on the practice squad the year before, didn't see much playing time. And I have faith that someone else will step up. We will have another Cassius Marsh this year. And that's exciting to me. All right. And have you seen the uh, Walter football spy list of people we've actually had meetings with? Yeah. The people that it's been proven that we have meetings with because yeah. that's not something that's officially disclosed right so these are people that that they know for sure that we've had meetings with i think the interesting names to you eric will be uh buddha baker yay uh the aforementioned obi millifonwu uh lots of, tankersley lots of cornerbacks cordero tankersley shaquille griffin xavier coleman uh, There's some names Isaac Asiata, which I thought was interesting because I thought that he projected in the NFL as a center, but maybe we're thinking late round guard flyer. I'm or, thinking like maybe guard center. Yeah, but, I don't see Conley on that list. Uh, well, it's hard to say because here's the thing: uh, you're allowed to meet with like I think up to thirty prospects at, privately in your, and those no, no one ever knows who those are. Right. Um, and like if you look at this list, like you. You'd be like, oh well, this is a, uh, this is not guys, but like, usually, like if you look at this list, this Walter football list, oh year over year, about two mid round guys from this list will end up on our team. So if you want to peek that um, at WalterFootball.com and uh, try to figure out which two guys you think we're gonna actually take, there's uh, a safety out of a D two school. Luck. It's like uh, Richmond, I think. His last name's like Davis. Uh. Not on the list that I have. Oh, wait. David Jones. Yeah. David Jones. That guy's tape is incredible, but it's also one of those things where you're watching a clear D1 talent playing D2. Right. And so it looks like the coach lined up with his middle school team. (laughs) It's kind of amazing. Uh, I'd say we're getting Obi. That's that's my pick. 
I, I mean, I think that he's a, in a decent fit. If he's there on our second round pick, we're a hundred percent getting him. But yes. he, he seems like a borderline first round talent. So it would, it would be, uh, it, I think it's the kind of guy we'd get if we made a trade. Like if we, if we trade into the first round, uh, or either trade through back. Sherman or we trade back just a little bit, he's like the perfect, he's, he's going to get picked at the top of the second round, I think. Yeah. Because he's not a perfect scheme fit for everyone, but the physical talent is undeniable. He's a really intriguing type of player. All right. Well, that's uh, I don't really have much other uh, th- Seahawks related oh. things to talk. People about. People talk a lot about Marshawn Lynch. There's oh. some rumors. The oh, end. let's talk about it. Okay. Fine. Oh God. Let's just hit this quick. He said he'd be willing to go to New England if uh, Oakland doesn't work out. Did he say that, or is that being said? Not, not surprised. Why wouldn't you want to play for New England? Uh, but that's stupid. That's never going to happen. No. Uh, my. My only concern is I've heard that the Seahawks might just release him. Is that, I mean, we don't know if it's true or not, but that seems like a bad idea. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> it's kind of eating a lot of cap room for nothing. That's that's what I think about that. Mm. Yeah. Um, yep, those rumors are lame. Moving on. Yeah, it's, uh, he's going to play or he won't. Like, don't, don't worry about it. He's not playing for us. That's the main thing. Yep. Once we signed Eddie Lacy, he was not ever going to be a Seahawk again. Like that's that signing kind of blocked him from ever coming out. Yep. Um, back for us. So yep. So should we move on to the draft? Sure. Let's do it. Let's talk about mid round sleepers. So we're looking at or late round sleepers. late round uh, round four, five, six, seven, day three of the draft. So mm-hmm. this is lottery ticket time, ladies and gentlemen. And this is where you are attempting to pick up players that. You know, they have a thing they can do that you think maybe you can coach them up in, or they fit this niche on your roster. They're a really good gunner and an interesting nickel guy, or they've had health issues, and if they can stay healthy, you think maybe they could be a thing. I mean, this is this is lottery ticket time. All right. Uh, so let's uh, – most of these guys probably won't make the team. Let's just start with that. Or they'll make the team for a year or two and then be they'll never show up on the field. Most of these guys won't be <laughs> names you hear in the NFL so, much. So don't get like super pumped about any of these guys. Like I think that getting attached to late round prospects or getting mad when your late round sleeper doesn't get picked is like among the dumbest things you can do. So like <laughs> that's kinda why uh, we're just gonna give you like a couple ideas about maybe where we think the guys we think that might be decent fits or guys that we think I got one big one, Kevin, but I'll let you go first. Should we just go back and forth a couple times? Uh, sure. Okay, so there's a pair of cornerbacks that are really interesting, very similar players. Uh, Shaquille Griffin, who actually popped up on that Walter football list out of Central Florida. Mm-hmm. He has good size. He ran a four three eight forty. He's aggressive. He flips his hips well. Um, he's got a little bit of range. He plays kind of tall, and his reads are pretty average. And so that seems like something we could coach up. He could be a really interesting guy because he might be able to play outside, especially with that speed. Uh, the other corner I like is Nate Hairston from Temple. Good size, little slow. He's a converted wide receiver with good ball skills, and he's got a lot of movement. His technique needs a lot of work, but again, if there's one position I trust this team to coach up, it's defensive back. Yep. All right. I can dig it. Here's my big one. You ready? Uh, the, this team has no backup quarterback right now. Our backup quarterback is in some legal trouble to say the least <laughs> uh i think that there is a draft prospect on the table that has a very good chance of being a useful nfl backup and given ample development time could maybe even be a like year three four starter like tyrod taylor and that's gerard evans out of virginia tech uh he's big he's fast he scored like 12 touchdowns his senior year i think on the ground he also completed 64 percent of his passes in 2016 and he has a straight fire YouTube mixtape that is fun to watch. The guy is like, he's pretty electric on a football field. I don't, he's not ready to play in the NFL. No, right he's now. really raw. But he came out as a junior when he was barely going to get drafted. I don't really understand it at all, but whatever. I'm the, uh, I would think it has to be an academic thing because he came from a Juco. Sure. So I wonder if it was an eligibility question. So, I mean, he's probably going to get picked in like the sixth round. And I think among the like late round quarterbacks, he is easily the one that I think has like, the best chance of being it's it's him and like maybe maybe you could like get into like chad kelly or josh dobbs uh, or brad k brad k is like falling so far down the draft list now man he's, he's like dropping a like a rock maybe why is he falling so far uh because he's completely unproven 
Yeah, it's people have. He reali- needed another year in college. People have realized like there's no real, not a lot of tape on this guy, uh, and he played on like a bad team with like weak supporting staff and just did okay. And like people are like, well, what what is he? What is he really? You know, so like people don't really know. Um, but yeah, I think Gerard Evans is an interesting fit for us as a backup quarterback. Yeah, uh, Josh Harvey Clemens out of Louisville is a six foot four safety. Where if we don't get Obi Melon Fonwu, I could see us maybe taking a stab at him in the late rounds. Uh, he's a guy who got in trouble for pot in college and got kicked off Georgia. But, I mean, he's 6'4", 217. He's a linebacker playing safety with a lot of athletic ability. I think it's interesting that we, like, interviewed Shalom Luani, who, like, I've watched a lot of WSU football, and he's a safety, and he's good. But he's not a good tackler. And, like, it seems weird because but maybe that's something that, that this team thinks they can teach because, like, it's really, like, his weakness is that he's just not a – the whole WSU defense has problems tackling us, <laughs> like in general. And so, I don't know if if they could teach that guy to tackle, like he'd be great. But I don't know. They brought him in for a visit, so it's someone that they might be peeking at for a UDFA or round seven pick. Nice. Hmm. Uh, I have a guy who's kind of a placeholder. So the name I'm going to put to this is Ryan Glasgow, out of Michigan. He's a defensive tackle, about six three, three hundred pounds. He's he's, dope. Uh, he's physical. He's a powerful player. Um, he's kind of tight in the lower body and doesn't have any pass rush moves. This is a guy who sets the line of scrimmage and plugs the run. I could see us very easily picking up one of these dudes in the draft because they drop. The Michigan guy is so solid. Like he's just like a solid all the way around, all around player. Yep. So, um, well, you already said Elijah Qualls last week, but I'll reiterate: if this guy falls to the fifth round, like into day three, he'll be someone that we're probably targeting. In that situation, um, he's big. He's like, we haven't had like a huge guy like that on our line in a long time. And so it'd be nice to have like a 300 plus pound guy who just gobbles up the run. A dishwasher. I guess we yep. have one now, Jaron Reed. But like we, before Jaron Reed, I just can't remember. Well, we have like, like a Tybo one. Rubens. So we have a couple of bigger guys, but Reed actually has pass rush potential. Well, sure. also, we're talking about these guys, but these guys that we have are really athletic, so they, they take up a little less space. You know, they can move. They use their hips. I'm th- when I say huge or washing machine, I think like Sam Adams. Yes, Sam like Adams a guy is a who very athletic, Hulk. but he didn't he didn't like sway from side to side and move around guys. He just went through them. Yeah, athletically, he took on double teams because he was so wide. He just naturally lined up in front of yes. two people. Uh, if we go for the offensive line, I could see a guy like Connor McDermott out of UCLA who needs a couple years of strength and conditioning, but has movement skills as a left tackle, and he's 6'8", uh, long wingspan. Or a guy like Kyle Callis uh, out of Michigan who's um, has good technique and is one of those guys who's a guard who might have to move inside to center because I could see us picking up like a guard center guy. Sweet. All right, well, um, if we pick a kicker, <laughs> yeah. We should pick the kicker from Idaho, who also was their punter. Um and probably actually projects as an NFL punter. Is it like Renfro? It's Rent Rec Rec How or R E H K O W. I was really close for uh, naming a punter from Idaho. Anyway, uh <laughs> he he uh punted and averaged uh forty one point six yards per punt, which is actually pretty great. And he went twenty six for twenty nine on field goals with a long of fifty. So he's Legitimate in both kicking and punting. He did kick uh, in a dome. <laughs> that dome, Kibby Dome. Oh man, um, that's uh, the only dome that might make it harder to do stuff. The is not <laughs> good. Uh, yeah, the the thing about college kickers is they're so weirdly projectable, like weird to project because college coaches don't go for like fifty yard plus field goals very often. Uh, these guys don't get some of these guys don't get hardly any opportunities. Like some of these guys, it's like they kick. 20 field goals their senior year and it's like man that's not a lot and nope. didn't kick the long extra point so i have no idea how good they are uh zane gonzalez is the guy that can kick he's the guy with the big boot but i don't some team's gonna pick him in like the fourth round he's and gonna get overpicked gonna and that's just of. never worth it for a kicker nope and i don't know every time i watch a college game of kicking it looks like they're i don't know like they're lining up outside of the hash marks or something just doesn't look right and I, it can't be camera angles universal they just college kickers look like they're kicking much smaller than well, they probably are. It, partially it's angle, but something to remember about kicker is, so there's 119, I believe, Division One college football teams, 
And kicker is not a position where you need a D1 guy. So you're looking at maybe 300 teams. Your average kicker in the NFL has a career of like, if you're any good, you have a career like over a decade. True. So you only need 32 kickers. There are so many bad kickers. Because think about how many bad kickers are in the NFL. Oh, you're and right. those are the yeah. best kickers from college. You're right. Like, it really shows how many kickers are just mediocre to crap. Well, we signed Blair Walsh, and people are saying, why would we do this? And it's like, he's, he's probably going to be okay. Quantity. And he's, yeah, he's just there. All right. So since you grabbed at straws with that, I want to give one position that I think is really interesting, and that's wide receiver. I'd like a, I'd like a tight end... Uh, Weird thing I wanted to bring up. Okay, like, oh, you go I'll receiver. run this and we'll run yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So I'm going to put out... So Quincy Adeboyo out of Ole Miss is 6'3", 197. He's a guy I could see going like in the seventh round because he's really raw. But the guy I want the most is Josh Malone out of Tennessee. He's 6'3", 208. He ran a 4'4", He was really productive in college. Josh Dobbs was his quarterback, so he's used to having a quarterback that scrambles. He was kind of the guy among receivers for most of his college career. He just screams to me like plus 50-50 ball guy, has skills, and could really get better. I just I really think if Josh Malone ends up sitting there in like the sixth round, this could be a real find. All right. My guy is, uh, is I know the Seahawks love converting guys to new positions. So, uh, former Texas quarterback Tyrone Swoops wants to be a NFL tight end now. He's real big and he's real fast. So, sure, why not? I think that, that that's a player that I want to see. I'm curious to see how he'll do in the NFL. Uh, the history of quarterbacks converting to other positions is actually starting to turn. It used to be really bad, but yeah, now. Jake Locker should have. <laughs> now we've got a couple guys who have changed positions from quarterback that have been successful. Uh, and some people that have changed from wide receiver to quarterback and somehow became the quarterback of an NFL team for five years, looking at you, Tannehill. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that that I'm I'm curious to see how he'll do, and uh, I think I don't know. I think we should give him a shot. Like that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, he's real big. You know, I was always I'm still disappointed that Tim Tebow did not try at tight end, like or like. Teams- the Chris Cooley, like, H-back role. Yeah, team, teams <laughs> wanted to, like, have him do the H-back, the fullback, and maybe try it at tight end. And he, I don't know why, he said he wanted to be a quarterback and I was playing baseball. But I always thought, like, man, that guy could have an NFL career. He's an athlete and he's, you know, he can take hits, but whatever. I wonder if he's the cautionary yeah. tale that gave us Terrell Pryor, wide receiver. Hey, in his first minor league at bat, he got a hit off of the 666th pick in the draft. Not a joke. Dead serious. Thank God for Tim Tebow. Virgin Mobile. All right. Uh, I, that's it for me, Kevin. I'm done. I don't want to. Okay. I, I feel like this is d- darts more than anything else. Like, Yeah. It's, I mean, Devontae Fields, Jalen Reeves, uh, Mabin, uh, Avery Moss. There's guys. There's always going to be guys. There's a bunch of guys who look good. And the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, if you're a GM that can reliably pick up a couple of dudes there, then you're a guy who's going to have a job for a long time in yeah. the NFL. If you can get one guy a year, you're good. Yeah. That's all you need. All right. Uh, that's it. You ready for some NFL news? Sure. Is there any? Tony Romo yeah. is playing for the Mavericks right now. <laughs> Honorary. That is pretty sweet. Uh, Tony Romo, I found out so many things about his uh, basketball career that he was like a 24-point-a-game uh, high school basketball player that he played uh, with uh, Karan Butler on like a – County All Star team, really, <laughs> just so many interesting. And Cron Butler was like, "Yo, Tony Romo can't play." <laughs> That's what he said. I know he looks like a white guy in a basketball uniform when he is. He looks a little bit like Josh Reddick. Yeah, a, I mean, exactly my point. <laughs> he's a great athlete. Like he, he's what a borderline U.S. Open golfer. He played high school basketball and was good. And he was an NFL quarterback. Like Tony Romo, he's pretty pretty good at stuff at life, doing things. Better than Tiger Woods at golf now. I, I look forward to Probably. him. <laughs> I look forward to him calling like the Olympics in five years or something. I, I think you think he's gonna be like the next Bob Costas. He has in, like, such a, a good athletic background, and he's he's a smart guy. Now that he's not playing for Dallas, I can say all these good things about him. I, I've been storing these up for about a dozen years. <laughs> I'm nervous that he's the kind of guy who just like once he gets in front of the camera, it's just canned answers. Because I've heard so many people say, like, he's funny, he's personable, like, he'll be really great. 
he can be like football's Charles Barkley. And then I see him do an interview and I'm like, this guy's boring. Like, where is this person that everyone else is talking about? So I'm hoping that this guy sounds terrible. You think I'm he's hoping gonna he smile and be nice? Up. He's a loosen up, you know? Yeah. Well, now that he's not the face of a franchise, that could really change things for him, you know? All right. Let's go, uh, let's go through this. And it's, uh, it's been seven years since Mel Kuyper said he'd quit ESPN in eight years if Jimmy Clausen wasn't an NFL QB. I think he should just get it over with and do it now. What yeah. do you guys think? Jimmy, Never too soon. Is Jimmy Clausen on any roster? No, not even CFL. Well, come on, Mel. Like you're just at this point, you're just taking a paycheck. He he said, "Read the fine print. It's NFL assistant QB coach." Um, <laughs> Matt Ryan said <laughs> he was not allowed to audible out of certain plays during the Super Bowl. Uh, Shanahan. That's all I have to say. So what you're saying is they looked like they were running a Shanahan offense. Yeah. Um, the, there's a really good Jason Witten tribute to Tony Romo on uh, Twitter, on his Twitter. I highly recommend reading it. Uh, if you like, if you like uh, me, I think Tony Romo is underrated. It's a good place to go. Um, I have so many on here. Rex Ryan basically did. This is a quote from a report on yes, CBS Sports. This Rex is crazy. Ryan basically dedicated the Bills' 2016 season to resurrecting the reputation of his brother Rob and gave him the run of the place. And what? It really seemed to work out. <laughs> Eric, wow, Eric, what, what did you say? I just said what? Um, yeah, that's uh. Yep. I can't believe that that guy got another head coaching job so fast after getting canned from the Jets. Like, the Bills were so desperate. I, I don't think that was very surprising. He had a pretty decent run with the Jets, and they're a pretty dysfunctional franchise. So I could understand going, well, if he could do it with the Jets, he can do it anywhere. I agree. I mean, I know there's some joking there, Kevin, but, like, every year was just a decline. And it wasn't a gradual decline. It was a steady drop every year. And his first year in Buffalo just looked like... It looked like the Jim Moore year here. Like, okay, I get it. It's time to move on. Well, he looked like Ditka in New Orleans. We were like, <laughs> this is uh this is not gonna go anywhere. It was it was a failed experiment from like game nine. Um and that's uh, the way the news goes. I don't <laughs> what, I, Rick and Morty? I don't uh I don't I don't know what else to say. Uh Wubble. Are we going all that all there? Uh, uh, do we want to do want to hit the uh, the draft cap, Kevin? All right, so we this have is big news. This is why you have me ba, here, Nathan. Ba, 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 ba. Oh gosh, here we this go. This is an Eric Ronnebeck special. <clears throat> this is Eric Ronnebeck's review of the 2017 Seattle Seahawks draft cap. Uh, for those of you that oh the the hat yes yeah oh, for those of you who do not know I'm a I'm a uniform maven. I, I just aficionado, I, I might say. Afic- yes, I love to break down all sorts of team uniforms and what can make them better, what makes them so bad, why the Jacksonville Jaguars are just so close to having a good uniform if they just change their damn helmet. I have so many questions about this, Eric. Seahawks draft cap. I don't like how white it is. Uh, eh, the foil bothers me, but honestly, the brim with the giant, uh, angry Seahawk focused determined eye, it doesn't bother me. It's a one year cap. Let it be. Uh, a lot of people don't buy this. Uh, guy over 50, I know you're gonna buy this. And you're gonna say, don't all that cool? The answer is no. Buy it anyway. Uh, everyone yeah. under the age of 50, don't buy it. So they always pick these, like, themes for the draft caps, right? Like, last year it was, like, Heather Gray was the theme. <laughs> where, like, all the caps were gray. Which this was year, better? This year it's, like, every, white. every logo is silver. The cap is white, and then the some part of the logo is in the cap. The zoomed in. These yeah. are very ugly to me. Many of them are horrible. I rate I, the Browns one is like clearly the worst. I like how it has a little dog on the side to really let you also, know. What is going on with the Browns helmet garbage. in that picture? I think the Browns one is so bad it's my favorite. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, it definitely has turned the corner because it looks like a bruised tangerine. It's the, so terrible that it's it's good again. The New England Patriots one looks like something like your least favorite grandpa would wear. <laughs> <laughs> I, it looks like it should be accompanied by an American flag tank top and American flag yes, running shorts. Absolutely, I agree. Um, 
yeah, that's it. Uh, so let's uh, let's roll right into uh, plugs. All right. So big shouts to Zach, our newest Patreon member. Thanks, Zach. If you would like to join Patreon and help donate to our podcast, where where would you go about doing that, Nathaniel? Uh, you'd go to patreon.com slash SeahawksNest. Uh, one thing that kind of blew my mind about this week is that we had like more organic listens and like uh, like engagement and likes and stuff than we've had in a, a minute on last week's podcast. Last week's episode got like seven likes and you guys know i look at the people who like it and if i think it's a bot i vaporize it from orbit and get rid of the like that's true. i don't like fake stats so I don't I, want- i'm like just 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 leave it nathan's yeah. like no no nuke from orbit yeah that's so we had 234 true. listens which is like a like a big a big high number for us we have not had that since the preview for the divisional playoff game so i so think thanks. big shouts thanks to, to our seahawks I think I think the Seahawks Reddit community gets some big shouts on this because they are being interactive with some of these things. And if you're also one of the people who's giving some likes, some upvotes, if you're hitting us up on Twitter, then you're our favorite. If you're using Stage Fright to listen to us, I don't even know what that is, but it's an RSS feeder that shows up in my stats. So good for you, dude. Sounds artistic. Yeah, that's it sounds good. Like, it sounds cool. I'm gonna. I'm sure it's for iPhone, and that's why I don't know anything about it. But, uh, I have an iPhone. Oh, nope, Never it is it. an Android. It's a bug? Oh, This is even better. Nugan, I, Nugan. I don't even know what this is. So some bu- a bug is listening to us, guys. All right. So apparently, <laughs> apparently Skynet is a big fan of the Seahawks yeah, podcast. Because our podcast executive producer, Brett Hancock, works for literal Skynet. <laughs> he sent me an av- Okay. Just an aside. Since we have so much extra time today. He sent me an advertisement that his company made. And it was like, it was like, adver- they were advertising two like construction companies, and they said his company like maps people's roofs. Okay, if you if you didn't know this, and it just said, look at their roof, like you're the flipping NSA. And I was like, this is so tone deaf. Like, that is not okay. <laughs> this makes me so scared of this company. Is the was it uh... an advertisement pitch to Putin? No, it was an <laughs> no, it was two contractors roofing contractors. This is not right? good. Is the CEO? Miles Bennett Dyson. Probably. <laughs> That's probably it. I don't know why. that. I, I remember that out of nowhere. Thanks, Brain. Of all the names. Hey, and to the person who downloaded like every episode of our podcast, can you please contact me as soon as possible and just tell me, like, did you go back and listen to like week 8, 2016, like week 8, 2015? Did you go all the way? Because we got one download on every single episode, and I want to know, like, the person who did this, did you really go back all the way? And if you did, wh- what did you think? <laughs> did, oh, we, did we get better or worse? I have two questions about that. Number one, th- did you download it and every week you're going to listen to one and relive the season? Because if so, tell us how that went for you. Like, do you listen to it during the rewind on Sundays on NFL Network? This this could be interesting. I'm just and by interesting, I mean off season interesting. We'll be I featured mean, on NFL's greatest. I know podcast. who it is. I know where they're from because we have 60 downloads this week from State College, Pennsylvania. So Penn State University's finest, wherever you are, big ups. Wow. Shout shout out to the the, the person in State College, Pennsylvania, Spread who went back and downloaded every single episode once. Maybe they just did what I said. You know is, what? And go Nathan <laughs> Peterman, which is download everything once, but don't even listen to it. That's a good strategy. <laughs> this I like person, honestly, yeah. Oh. Thank you for listening and internalizing that advice. All right. Nathan feels, as teachers, we feel good about anyone who can listen and follow directions. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> for Movie Club this week, we're going to keep it. Uh, we're going to talk about a series as a whole. Uh, there is a new installment of my favorite movie series coming out this week. Uh, it is a movie that has embraced its destiny as quite possibly the biggest, loudest, dumbest action movies ever set to film this is fast and the furious this week we get fate of the furious uh new in theaters where family will be tested like never before because this movie is about family uh that is what they say over and over over and over 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 right into your head that this is about family so we can do this a number of ways um we can give our definitive uh top rankings although i'm pretty sure i'm the only one that's seen every single one all the way through Yes. Um, so that would be, uh, I'll, maybe I'll just do that at the end. 
why don't we just why don't you guys just each give a personal highlight from the series and a personal low light from the series because this is a series that's not without doing some stupid things right so what's your uh, what's your high and low for the fast series uh my low obviously is a uh, that they killed my favorite character uh han which is like He's like the best. Spoilers. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> if you haven't seen this movie from 10 years ago, Tokyo Drift, um, <laughs> which by the way, I can go on a big rant about this, but Tokyo Drift is a uh, criminally underrated. It's, it's, it's not good, but it's much better than people give it credit for. People yeah. act like it is like a one when actually it's like a six and a half. It's trying to be a real movie, isn't it? It's no, kind of, kind of. <laughs> as bad much guy, as any of the them. The bad are. guy's name is DK. Which okay. I kid you not stands for Drift King. Yeah, that that's not good. That kind of makes it better though. No, the the bad guy at the beginning of the movie is the kid from Home Improvement. <laughs> is it Jonathan Taylor Thomas? No, the other one, the older one. There are other ones. Zach, the oh. one with the blonde hair, the gray mullet, the white, Zach, the blonde Zachary Taylor or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So also uh, featured that movie featured low, the though. kid from Sling Blade. I really so like him. I thought he was cool. He has a really good speech in Tokyo Drift. Um. And that I, I don't know. I wish he wasn't dead. I think the actor is cool. And then my highlight, though, of course, is The Rock <laughs> joining these movies for literally no reason. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense why The Rock's in these movies. They just like hamfisted this character into the movies, and uh, I couldn't like it more. You know, like sure, <laughs> The Rock fights Vin Diesel. That's that's sweet. That's kind of like when the movies turn the corner is Fast Five. Like they were like you know what, we don't need to be so overly serious. Let's just kind of go crazy and, like, there's just going to be lots of banter, like, witty banter between these characters and uh, we're just going to have The Rock in here for some reason. And, like, in Fast... And everyone's favorite British superhero? Jason Statham. Jason Statham. Another person ham-fisting him in there for no reason. Uh, which, I for the it. record, I'm a fan of any franchise <laughs> that goes, Jason Statham, let's put him in as a side character and or villain, and never as the main person. He is the Rob Schneider of action movies. Yeah, it's... I mean, I feel like he carries Snatch pretty well, but there's so much star power in that movie. Yeah, that, he's not another, carrying it. He's just a, a great... He's like the he's like the center, piece. though. Like he's, yeah. it's the, he's the thread that holds everything together. Um, Eric... Your highlight and low light, fast one through seven. Well, you know how much I've seen of these movies. I've seen parts of three of these movies. I will say highlights from a guy who doesn't watch these movies, the stunts. They're action-packed. They're fun. My low light, people don't like Tokyo Drift because the kid from Sling Blade is the star of that movie, and he's a phenomenal actor. He looks like the lead singer Modest Mouse. He deserves to be a star. And he got a real great southern accent. Yes, he does. I'm Shane Black. I like the way you talk. <laughs> I'm a, I'm gonna look at you. Uh I want that guy to come back in like the in like the newer movies. I mean, I know he had like a 30 second cameo in the last movie, but That like, might mean he has a big role in one of the next ones. They they said that they signed him to appear in three movies. So I'm hoping that he shows up in the new one, but I don't from the commercials, I don't think that's what's going to happen. My low is also the uh, career advancement of Tyrese Gibson. Oh, man. Tyrese is one of my favorite parts of these movies. Yeah, because he likes to just shout in every movie, Transformers. Oh, yeah. He, uh, he just, like... Oh, no, you did it! Like, I don't need to he hear that. He fits really well in these movies, but I will agree that, like, it doesn't work in other settings yes. quite as well as it does with in this setting where he's shouting, like... Where, where, where the rock comes into a room, and before he even sees the rock, he just goes, smell like baby oil in here? <laughs> <laughs> and the rock walks up behind him. Like that stuff like that is really he brings like a nice like wisecracking jokiness to Wasn't he movies. from Too Fast, Too Furious? Was that so, his first movie? <clears throat> yes. And I think Too Fast, Too Furious is clearly the worst movie in the series. But there's a reason it does two good things. One, it gives us Ludacris as the like tech guy, which is really cool. Originally that role was supposed to go to uh, uh the guy who was in the first movie, uh Ja Rule. It was supposed to go to Ja Rule, but Ja Rule turned it down. Ooh, Ja Rule. Which, which is, on, among career choices of Ja Rule, this has got to be the bottom. Yeah. Because uh, he really messed that one up. Because Ludacris has turned this into millions of dollars. Yeah. And he's actually like a pretty decent actor, too, Ludacris. Yeah, and, and he's gotten better. And ja Rule is forgotten. The other redeeming quality is that in, you know, Too Fast, Too Furious, we get Tyrese, and he starts cracking all these jokes as Roman. Uh, I like that. Which, having that character, that's the thing about Too Fast, Too Furious. Because I've seen four of the movies. Okay. Uh, I saw um, the first one. I saw uh, Fast and the Furious, uh, Too Fast, Too Furious, uh, 
and then I took a break because it seemed yeah. like a good time to take a break. Yeah, that movie that movie did not probably do not do much to inspire you to keep going. And then I came back for the fifth and sixth one that Nathan uh, had me watch with him. I took it on recommendation because our our movie taste tends to overlap fairly well. Yeah, the fifth one is fun. Like that's just a fun movie. It's because that's the one with the fight on the bus, right? That's the one where they're like dragging the safe behind the cars, and they <laughs> they do that. The one on the bus is is that six seven, I think seven? actually. I thought the or yeah, sorry, no, I've seen six and seven. No, you've seen five and seven. Five and seven. I think you missed six. No, That's no, Kevin, you missed six. Yeah, I'm missing out on these key plot devices. No, before no. you go, your personal <laughs> your personal rankings, Nathan. Okay. There's there's a before you do that. There's an order to these movies. And yeah, they're so not, it's not always telling by the number. There's two other orders. Yeah, you could either watch them in the uh, original order as aired, or you could watch them in chronological order, because Tokyo Drift actually takes place between movies six and seven. Okay, so just to re- recover, for people who have not seen these movies, uh, the plot of five, they steal, uh, there's a bank heist. The plot of six, they, got, they get kind of cornered into helping the rock catch this you know english cyber criminal and they end up putting him in a coma at the end of the movie like he's in a coma so of course jason statham who's his brother gets real mad and then jason statham kills my favorite character at the end of tokyo drift or towards the end of tokyo drift um they like retconned it so that jason statham was the one that killed han as opposed to drift king (laughs) <laughs> or I don't know if Drift King killed him or the Yakuza. I can't. Donkey Kong, some DK. <laughs> but uh, but uh, anyway, they BK they go, frozen treats. Something killed him. They go in and they uh, they go to. So then seven is you know Jason Statham versus the family or whatever. Which has a by the way, and that's so, so that's the one you've seen, right? Yes, seven. I've seen this, and I just want to say seven does a great job of having that uh, Hans Gruber feel to it, where it's like in the um. It's the same plot device functionally as what they did in Die Hard, where it's like, I'm coming back to avenge my brother, and it, that you didn't see that coming because we never discussed there's a family link anywhere until the monologuing. It, it's ah. just, it's very entertaining. Yeah, it's like the end of six has like a credit stinger where like Statham is mad. And I don't know. It's just like so. It's so cheesy. It's corny. Great. And then in eight, I guess <laughs> Statham's on their team because you watch the commercials and there he is. Well, he doesn't want to be Nathan. That's what yeah. that's what I'm learning. Sure. He's probably not. Begrudgingly on this team, but he'll probably become part of the family. Family. Yeah. That's I'm so glad. It's a movie about family. Kurt about Russell's family. in these movies now too, which is just He's so, so great. Good. He's so great. Um so, so any Did you want my high and low? Are we yeah, go ahead. That? Go ahead. Okay. So, my highlight which for people who actually know me is not a surprise. My highlight is the fact that they managed to put in about two amazing classic cars yeah. in every movie that it, the way that they roll it out and everything it's beautiful it's really cool i love classics um they and have... it's nice to see them in there and the way that it's used and the way that the cars are used in the movie the cars are a plot device and it's cool like i like the way that they it's like a practical effect yeah, where the way they film like the things exploding in the engine and like the car, the pistons pumping and stuff, it's like it makes you because like when you if you've been in a car that goes really fast, it's not like a visual thing. It's like you feel it, you know, like the car shakes a little bit and it's like really intense, you know. Yeah. So like I think that they did a cool job, and I agree. There's some classic American muscle in these movies that, um, and I mean, Vin's car is like a classic American muscle. Yeah, car the Charger. Always. Yeah, the the GTO or the. Yeah, usually a GTO, a Charger. Um, sometimes really they'll rad. throw in a, an old vet or a Malibu or something. Just some really cool, some cool vintage muscle. And then, so obviously, my low light is when inevitably that car gets completely fucked up somewhere in the movie and trashed because that happens in every You're single like, movie. I was going to ask, and no. just single tear rolls down my cheek every single time. Ask Don't worry, Kevin. It's a high. kit car. Don't worry. It's a <laughs> kit car. It's, it's just, it hurts me right here. You know, it's not you know, there when people, you know, people have their emotional reaction to things in movies. You know, uh, people dying. Uh, you know, emotional breakups. This one, this it, it gets me in the feels. Kevin yeah. just screaming, "No! What did the car ever do to you?" 
No, it plays that music. It's like, you kids. <laughs> no, uh, I, I mean, yeah, at least they don't use like real legit classics in these scenes. That would anymore. just piss me off. Because like, I mean, like you think back to like old school, they're like Dukes of Hazard. Like they just legit wrecked like so many oh, yeah. Dodge Chargers in the show. And like, there's just none of those cars left because they just wrecked them over and over. At least now they're like, Hey, let's. We'll build a kit car, a stunt version of this car, and it'll look like the real thing because we're, you know, that's what the kits are good. It's a practical effect. Yeah, it's, it's really like, good, and like they look really great. And then, yeah, and then you just blow it up, and you're like, well, you know, at least it wasn't like a restored classic. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's what you could think in your head. But that's that's kind of what I want to, uh, what I was getting at though. I I did it in a jokey way, but what I think this movie does really well, um, the explosion outside of the house in the first movie. And, you know, when there's a climactic car crash or all these things, they're special effects or they're stunts, but they're also like some practical effect aspect of it mm-hmm. that really just, it doesn't feel like, to use a wrestling term, it's not a spot. Yeah. It's it's in the flow of the movie. It feels they good. make They make these dumb action set pieces make sort of sense. As much sense as they can. Like... Yeah, it doesn't make sense that he drove a car. So good though. But it like make in the context of the movie, it's like yeah, this is a thing that they would have tried because these people are psychopaths, you know, like whatever. <laughs> so yeah, I I don't know. I quite enjoy uh the the movies. Uh, <laughs> That's my, so good. My, when they do the heist in the tower. My definitive list. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna go. The worst one is Too Fast, Too Furious. The second worst one is Fast Four. The third worst one is Tokyo Drift. Uh, the fourth. This is where it gets hard, okay? Because I think that that's everyone's bottom three. I would argue that if you don't put the, those... I, I think that that order is pretty set in stone for me. I don't know. Other people put Tokyo Drift last, and I understand why. It doesn't have Vin Diesel. It doesn't have uh Paul Walker. Like It is the least Fast and the Furious of the movies, but I don't know. I think they're both pretty good. Then I think it's it's underrated. and uh, Plus, it's got Bow Wow. Ooh. Formerly yeah. Lil Bow Wow. Yeah. Now he's he's at least regular size Bow Wow. Yes. Regular. I mean, he's still pretty short, probably. But um, then we've got uh. So then uh, this is where it gets tough. You know, you have to decide one. Where do you put the first movie? Because it's so corny. It's got some of the worst dialogue and cheesiest lines, but there is something undeniably great about it. It's very charming. Uh, and I mean, Vin Diesel is like the villain of the movie, you know. <laughs> Because he's he's the guy who's the, it, it turns out the twist at the end is that he's the one that is robbing the semi trucks, you know. So I don't know. I spoiler, uh, sp- spoiler, spoiler on <laughs> this twenty year old movie. Um, so it's hard. That one's hard to place. Um, I would go six, one, seven, five. Those are my, those are my other no uh, rankings. Nathan. Five is my favorite. Five is fun. It's a heist movie. It's just a blast. And heist movies are like, inherently yeah. good. Like I think like that movie just I have fun watching it. It it's actually you know it's got the cool thing where they do the heist reveal you know where they sh- they show the whole thing and then they show you like another angle how it happened where how it really happened yeah. and it's just the like, Ocean's Eleven then, reveal yeah yeah and I just love stuff like that I don't know it's just it gets me every time even the Italian Job the new the remake was a good movie and it ha- and it was because it has a heist you know yeah. heist are yeah. awesome. And you know, you know what? I'm in that movie, dude. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I'll punch you in the eye. Don't even talk about. Don't talk shit about my movies. I was the brains of the operation. Yeah. I was in charge. Yeah, I gonna, was the leader. We're gonna do a heist. We're gonna we're gonna do this. All right. Anyway, go ahead. So what? Where, what are you expecting? There are no trees in that movie from uh, Fate Eight of the Furious. Fate of the Furious. What am I expecting? Well, it's getting great reviews, so I'm expecting to have fun at the theater. And I think if you expect anything more than that. You're going to the wrong movie. I think Nathan, what Nathan's going for and what I would agree is it has morphed itself into the John Wick of even dumber action franchises. Right. The way John Wick is. It stays completely in its lane. The way John Wick is about headshots. This movie is about like Family. over the top <laughs> car action. You know what I mean? Like, yes. yeah. Like they're like like okay. So they they do a car scene where they're driving cars, dragging a safe through the streets of Brazil. Then the next movie, they do a car scene where they have like a car with like a like a wedge on it, and it's like shooting cars up into the air and stuff. Crazy. Some very A team stuff. Then the next movie. Oh, and at the end of Fast Six, don't forget that's the one. That's the one where they have the seven-hour plane crash, uh, plane 
um, <laughs> fight. Like they they're fighting on this runway for like six years. If the runway was actually that long, like it'd have to be like fifty miles long. It's so stupid. Well, they probably then, just turn around. I mean, they're yeah, uh huh. That's what it is. And then, uh, and then in Fast Seven, we're going between towers. And then in the advertisement for Fast Eight, we're go we're jumping over submarines. So you know what? Yeah, whatever. Anything can happen in these movies. That's kind of what's great about it. It's like there's no set piece too over the top for these movies yes there's no like oh that that's too over the top that's too crazy let's not do that it's like no let's just lean right into that i just want to know how they get to antarctica and i'm looking forward to you telling me all about it i have i i'm betting it's like siberia well yeah. i'm not seeing it till sunday morning at 9 30 which i know will shock some people because i'm like a thursday at seven kind yeah. of person that's kind of my thing like i like seeing movies for with a, I like seeing it with an audience that I think will be engaged with the movie. That's kind of fun for me. But I figure no one will be in the theater because they'll all be in church. So that's kind of a score for me. So we'll I have, look at that. that's I have like a true zero percent chance of seeing a student at nine thirty on a Friday morning or well, Sunday morning. <laughs> I, I don't know. I also think that you know you will have some teenage kids, and that's probably the audience you want. So I don't know. I just want people that are going to be excited and people who are going to when. And when, people who are skipping Easter Church to go see F, uh, Fast Eight, <laughs> there are people who want to see some Fast Eight. Yeah, and I, I mean, like when Dom and Letty in that in that trailer when they had the conversation when she's like, "You love me," and he's like, "Looking at her, I want people who are going to be like, come on, man, don't 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 turn your back on Letty.' Don't do it, Dom. <laughs> like I want people that are going to be invested in the stupidity. You know what I mean? Like because like it is dumb, and it's it's like the dumbest uh, movie. But it's so self aware. But I don't even care. Uh, this is this is great. It's a great movie. I'm excited for you. Nathan. I'm for it. Uh, it 80 percent positive Rotten Tomatoes. How bad can it honestly be? A movie like that getting an 80 percent is a hundred percent. Right, because the people who don't like it are like probably curmudgeons who wouldn't like any action movie. You know, if it's not about the Holocaust or or uh, like aspiring actors, you can't please some people. Yeah, if it's not Oscar worthy. It's not worthy at all. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Well, that's my uh, that's. I wanted to get that out of the way for this uh, the week of the the return of the, the furious the, the fate week of, the, of furious. the furious. And then one more thing about this movie, okay, fate of the furious. Uh, Vin Diesel said that the last movie was dedicated to Paul. It was for Paul. He said this movie is from Paul. I don't even know what that means. Do yeah, you have a seance or something? I don't know, but that's kind of a crazy thing to say, it, and I love it. It kind of scares me, I'll be honest. I'm Vin Diesel, funny guy. He, uh, you know, he supposedly the, he did not get along with Paul Walker on set, and then when Paul Walker dies, like, he's my brother, and now he's saying all this stuff. He might be, like, ultra troll, like, we don't even know. You know what? He's saying, he, ever since he's saying, like, what was it, Rihanna in that in that YouTube video where he's singing in front of the karaoke screen yeah. and it's like full screen of the music video over his face. I'm for Vin Diesel. That <laughs> what, what a gangster you got. You have to be really gangster to do something like that. So yeah, go Vin. Good one, Nate. All right. Who's your one more question just before we go of the, uh, the crew, the crew of uh, people in fast and the furious. Who would you, who's your favorite? Who's your favorite? Obviously, mine's Han, but rest rest in peace, Han. Uh, I hope they bring you back from the dead somehow and like retcon it that you like who's slid the, out of the, the car. Who's the actor? Uh, the guy who plays Han. His name. What, what is, else has he been in? Uh, like up. he's okay. I know this. He's been in like one like Justin Lin movie that Justin Lin made before he's famous, and like a couple other random things, but hardly anything. The point guard for the Knicks. No, it's, that's Jeremy Lin. Uh, Justin Lin directed some great. Uh, Fast and Furious movies. I think James Wan is directing the newer ones, and I th- I don't know who directed the New West one, Fate of the Furious. Uh, I I think it's Steven Soderbergh. There no, <laughs> if Steven Soderbergh filmed it, they would have been done in like three weeks filming. Steven Soderbergh is a literal machine when it comes to filming. It would have also been three hours. Uh, it is directed by F. Gary Gray, director of Straight Outta Compton. So yeah, all right. I, you know what? If you direct Straight Outta Compton and you parlay that into making Fast and the Furious Good for movies, you. you're a guy that I, I know has like a soul connection with me. You, from, the, <laughs> from the trailers, it, it looks like he did not screw it up. If I met... You know that guy also directed, Kevin, a movie you mentioned earlier? The Italian Job in 2003, oh. which I actually think is an underrated movie. Not that bad. That's a really solid... It, here's the thing. Maybe we'll movie club that someday because I think that movie's a little underrated. I agree. It's, let, me put, let me put something a blanket statement down. If you're a heist movie, 
and you pull it off in any interesting fashion, you basically bump yourself one and a half to two points. If you're mm-hmm. a five, makes you a seven. Your seven makes you a nine. Your ten makes you a twelve. Don't think about that. By the way, Lucas Black, not in this movie due to scheduling conflicts. For a whole movie? Yeah. But Don Omar and Tango Calderon are back. Those two guys that speak Spanish to each other in the fifth movie that are (laughs) so great. They're so funny. Oh man, I'm so excited. I'm excited about that. Alright. I'm I'm super into this now. Oh my gosh. I can't believe that I didn't know that already. I shouldn't have looked at that. That spoiled something for me that would have made me so happy in the theater. Although I think I got like nine tenths of the hype just from reading it. So (laughs) that's, that's how much I liked it. All right. Anyway, who's your, who's your favorite Fast and the Furious character? And if you say Mia, you can never set foot in my house again (laughs) because I will say this. Her acting is so bad in these movies. Is this Michelle Rodriguez? No, that's Letty. Who's, Who's who's Mia? Mia is like Brian's uh, uh, lady, Dom's sister. She oh, is, she is played by. Uh, it's not Gal Gadot, is it? No, 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 no. That Gal Gadot is that's oh, Han's her. lady. Mia is played by Jordana Brewster, and she's like horrible um, in these movies. Good, because I, I was gonna say. Uh, I mean, she's good looking. Like, then I guess that's nine tenths of the job, probably. She's in Hollywood, so there you go. Uh, honestly, from what I've seen, you know, the, all the guys kind of blend together. Uh, and I, I haven't seen enough of The Rock in this. I could probably say him, but I but I do like Michelle Rodriguez quite a bit. She's pretty great. Yeah, she it feels like she was made for these. Dom, movies. you love me. <laughs> Just can't wait for that. Hey, you know the thing that's weird? Fast and the Furious movies. Here's another weird thing that you, your favorite character being Letty reminded me of. You know the Bechdel test, where it's like, do two ladies in a movie have a conversation that's not about a dude? And like a lot of movies don't, they fail this test. Mm-hmm. It's like a test that they don't fail. Guess what movies pass it? All of those, almost all the best. Wow, that's so good. <laughs> because they because they have like good female characters. Like they have like legit. Like when Gal Gadot was in these movies, like she was great, and when Letty is great, and uh, they had uh, the actress from the Soderbergh movie. Uh, what's that? She she died in the movie. She got kicked off the plane. Uh, she's an MMA fighter. Oh my gosh, why can't I? Oh, the uh, Gina Carano. Gina Carano, yeah. She's I love, pretty, Gina, I love Gina Carano. She's great. All right, Kevin. Who leads your crew? I mean, or who would you want in your crew? Here's the thing. The leader? You know me well enough to know I am a sucker for an ensemble cast. Sure, yeah, but who are you starting your ensemble with? It's Kevin. <sighs> it's Kevin as the leader, and he's going to pick up his first guy. Who's your Who's your first pick? That's hard, man. I mean, it's ensemble cast. That's the whole beauty of it is that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a layer cake. You know, you take out one layer and you just don't have the product. I mean, be like a dark horse, like Jason Statham's character. No. Okay. Just because Jason Statham's never my favorite person in anything. Okay. (laughs) It's just, it's just a Jason Statham thing. Like he's fine. I think Kevin's going to resurrect Paul Walker right here. He wants a buster in his crew. He's trying to, he's trying to get tears from Paul Paul Walker sucks. Cause I mean, for Kevin, <clears throat> because he drives like the most riced out Asian cars yeah. in these movies. It would have Kevin to be Dom hit. because Dom yeah. has the connection on the cars. Yeah. And Vin. that's what I care about the most. Vin and Dom, man. And you know what the thing about Kevin is? Just like Dom, he's my quarter mile at a time. And that, <laughs> yeah. t- that'll take us right to the finish line. So, <laughs> well, if thank- you consider my commute. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for your support of our podcast. Uh, all the new listeners, uh, whoever downloaded all of the episodes and then. You're our hero. Uh, you're our hero. And if you contact me. That's about family too. Uh, you contact me. I will, uh, I got Send some mad sticker. props to you. I, I just cannot express how, how happy that made me. Getting a shirt. Uh, so, no, we don't, we don't have shirts yet. I'll make you a shirt. No one has, no one has Patreon. Eric will just literally send you one of his old shirts. No one has Patreon donated Eric's for Eric's kind of weird, guys. Sorry. Um, but we got stickers going out uh, and stuff like that. So for Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronnebeck, for executive producers, Carrie Santo and John, or Brett Hancock, uh, for me, Nathan Santo, uh, you can find us on all your favorite stuff. Smash that like button, and we'll see you next week. Go hot. Good times run. No, I ain't got nothing but a bad.